Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Good morning. My name is Dottie Dupuy. I'll be reading this morning from Genesis 3, 1 through 7, and again 17 through 19. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord Jesus had made. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of the with Eat of it with your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And reading from verse 17, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, thank you, Miss Dottie. Can we give it up for Miss Dottie in the house? Listen, a lot of you new school vintage peeps don't understand how amazing that woman is right there. She's one of my heroes. She's my adopted grandmother. You guys can't have her. I'm just telling you. And uh, Miss Dottie will run circles around you. She's got more energy than anybody in this room. Uh, But I'm so thankful because Miss Dottie represents a group that was formerly known as Highland Baptist Church, which was the name of this church on this property for so many years. And uh, as we were doing ministry in this city together, uh, we started to hang out. And uh, we started to get to know each other, and we're like, let's marry each other and have some fun together. So we merged together, and we became one church, and so I'm so thankful. Can we thank God for the legacy of Highland Baptist Church and uh, their graciousness? I'm always thankful for so many things. So it is awesome to be with you. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love to get you a copy of God's Word, so lift up your hand. If you don't own one, please take this home as a gift from our church to you. We believe there's nothing more important in this world than opening up God's Word, reading it, and applying it in your life. Well, my name is Rob Wilton. I get to serve as your founding pastor and the new lead pastor of Vintage Church Pittsburgh. Uh, Here's Pastor Sean Englert. Y'all give it up for Pastor Sean. He's back. Um, He is truly one of y'all. He's a Chalmatian. He's from that foreign country called Chalmette. 
and uh, he has been uh, up in Pittsburgh, and uh, we also have two other guys with us that are part of our team, and so we're so excited. We've had some fun, got to be here in town to help kick off the Saints season, be at chapel with the guys last night. Who that? We're going to tear it up this season, and so I'm just pumped up, fired up. Um, we're talking about a case of the Mondays, though. I mean, how cool is this series, right? Pastor Dustin's done an incredible job kicking this off. Uh, the case of the Mondays uh, always makes me think of this. Um, there was a season in the history of Vintage Church where, um, I don't know if y'all know this, because some of y'all are new school Vintageites, and uh, we moved 13 times in eight years, our church. Um, and uh, at one specific time, um, I was preaching in three different locations on one Sunday morning. I would preach, get in the car, preach, get in the car, preach. Uh, it was so funny because Pastor Dustin learned how to do really long prayers because I don't ever pay attention to clocks. And by the third service, they had to have a 40-minute prayer meeting uh, just for me to get there on time. And so um, I was stressed out. Man, Sundays whooped me. So Mondays were hard, man. I'm just going to tell you. And uh, our executive pastor, don't we uh, love Pastor Matt Brichetto? Can we thank God for Master, Pastor Matt Brichetto? Uh, we call him... Pastor Brick, because he got a couple misdemeanors for our church, and he's hardcore, and y'all know that about Pastor Brick, and we're so excited about little Isaac that's coming to this world, and uh, man, just love the Brickettos so much, but Pastor Brick finally, after a couple Mondays, pulled me aside and said, Pastor Rob, I'd re really appreciate it if you'd stop coming in on Mondays, because everything that I was doing in our staff meeting, because I was so beat up on Sundays, um, was really causing harm on Mondays. I was an angry elf. I mean, it was bad. And, uh, and so when I think about the case of the Mondays, I know for a lot of you guys, Sunday's a big rest day and you're coming in, so you're struggling, all this kind of stuff. But this has been a great series. I've enjoyed um, walking through these things. If you're a first-time guest today and you're just getting caught up, um, you can go back and look online. The last two weeks, Pastor Dustin uh, talked about why is work good, and then last week, what were we created to do? This week, I've been given the privilege of preaching on this. Why is work so hard? Why is work so hard? Um, guys, when we share the gospel, um, we share about four components. We share, first of all, about God's creation, that God created the heavens and the earth, said it was good. But secondly, we share about our condition the sin of the world, the total depravity of man. That's the passage of scripture that Miss Dottie just read. Um, she just read about the fall. The other two things that we talk about is not just that it ends with our condition, um, that we are sinners. Anybody thankful that we also get to celebrate God's provision, that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell so that we might have life. And then we preach about our response, that we're called to repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus. In just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to give your life to Jesus. I believe you haven't just rolled into church to do a religious thing. I want to introduce you to a Savior. I want to introduce you to an opportunity to receive Jesus and have your life completely, radically rocked and changed by Jesus to enjoy a relationship with him. And so that's what we talk about. But we've just read about the fall. When, when we explain our condition, we explain that all of man is sinful and completely separated from God. 
And we talk about scriptures like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We talk about Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This condition, the fall of mankind, affects our work. This condition affects our work. Because of the fall, I've got two things up here on the screen. You want to write notes in church, it makes you look holier than your neighbor. You want to write notes. Because of the fall, number one, our work is cursed. Our work is cursed. Anybody say, nah-duh, Pastor Rob. You see my job. My boss is a beast, right? Um, our work is cursed. Um, I, I think that's why, you know, when you just talk about work, I really love cutting grass. Like, because work's so daggum frustrating, you never really see progress as much, you know? But I can look at a yard and say, it is finished. <laughs> now, because my boys are eight and ten, I will look with coffee in my hand at a yard and I'll say, it is finished. When the snow hits in Pittsburgh, I will look at my driveway that's just been shoveled and say, it is finished. Our work is cursed. But secondly, our work is purposed. Our work is purposed because the great story of God's great narrative is that he's a God of redemption. And, and God has come in because of the fall to provide a better way, to provide Redemption. Anyone thankful for God's redemption in the house? That although we screw things up, yeah, we can thank God for that. That, that although we screw up and that it's cursed and everything, but God provides. And, and he's given us purpose. We're not just winging it. There's a design. There's an ultimate design. God has not brought you into this world and saw you enter. He did not look at Isaac Brichetto this past uh, week and say, oops, well, who's that guy? No, Isaac was created with a beautiful purpose, and so are you. And so our work is purposed. So I haven't really started preaching. I better get in my notes. Um, today, um, it's so amazing to see what work has become. I don't know about you guys, but work has kind of like turned into all these different things, from the pursuit of power and fame to the laziness that technology brings some dudes in my profession think that they can plan a church by just rolling into a town and working their laptop. Like, laziness is something that's a temptation for all of us. Um, to the people that, you know, are hoping, like my wife and I, that we would come across some brilliant light bulb moment and find ourselves on Shark Tank. That solves a problem this whole world needs, right? So that we can fund vintage churches and cities all over the world. Um, to even, did y'all see what happened with the shaming of the ex-celebrity, the guy from the Cosby show? Jeffrey Williams, or Jeffrey Owen, sorry. He was the guy Elvin on the Cosby show. Somebody took a video or a picture, I didn't really see it, but somebody made fun of him where he was working at a Trader Joe's and he was bagging groceries and working behind a register. And, and it's amazing. It caught national attention and all this other kind of stuff and, and people were kind of really rising up to defend what happened, this bullying and, and this shaming. And I love what he said in one interview that I watched. He said, every job is worthwhile. 
He said, I'm not ashamed to hustle and have hard work. You know that now he has a job with the Tyler uh, Perry show or something like that? Like he's, he got hooked up, so I love stories like that. I, I want to address two major problems today when it comes to work, and, and it comes out of this focus of the fall and, and why work is so hard. Number one, I want to look at idolatry with work. We, we glorify work and even the different types of work, and, and we, we turn work into something that, if we're just honest, becomes more God in our life. But then I also want to talk about idleness. Those of you who love waking up right before dusk. Those of you who try and uh, cut corners. Those of you who might be uh, lacking in some motivation in regards to what you're doing and you're just getting by, clocking in. If you've been at Vintage over the last few years, you've probably heard me say this before. I'm going to put it up on the screen. This world is not our home. Y'all heard that before? Secondly, we talk about this a lot. This life is not our own. We believe at Vintage in this in a major way. True meaning in life is found when we recognize that there is more than this life and that the life that we have been given is a gift from God for his purposes and not for ours. And so I want to put a little twist on something that I've shared over and over, and I'm kind of excited about it because I've actually never preached on these statements. They just kind of come out. And so with the focus of these things, thinking about idolatry and idleness, let's look at number one, idolatry, but let's put a twist to it. Your work is not your home. Your work is not your home. John Calvin said this, the human heart is an idle factory. Here's another quote um, from a commentary. Martin Luther believed that every violation of the Ten Commandments was first a violation of the first commandment, putting another God besides him in life. If I give false testimony, it is because I have set something else in my heart above God that is worth lying for. If I steal, it is because I have first set up something else in my life that is cherished above him. Or stated succinctly, and under every behavioral sin is the sin of idolatry. There's a recommended resource, Pastor Dustin, uh, because most of my stuff is still in a, a pod right now. Annabeth and I are in a, a two-bedroom apartment. Um, pray for us. I got a phone call as I've been traveling this week, and the managers came and knocked at the door because my kids decided to have a Nerf war at 6 a.m. in the morning. And uh, all these young millennials in this apartment aren't loving the fact that we got four kids. And so I don't have all my books in my library, so he photocopied a couple things for me from this amazing resource, resource called The Gospel at Work. And this is what it explains about idolatry. Um, listen, your work has become an idol when it is the primary source of your satisfaction. Your work has become an idol when it is about being the best so that you can make a name for yourself. Thirdly, he says that it must, uh, your work has become an idol when it primarily becomes about making a difference in this world. And so you even idolize your role in the impact in this world over God's. So instead of a surrender to God's work, you're working and saying, God, get on board with me. This is when we turn work into idolatry. I like what my former mentor, 
He was actually my doctoral advisor. His name is Dr. Eric Geiger. He used to be the former VP for Lifeway. Now he's uh, left to go pastor Mariner's Church out in California. He talks about this, and I've got this on the notes behind me. He talks about the four um, root idols. Listen to these. Number one, he talks about power. That this is a, a root idol when it comes to um, our work. This is a, a longing for that influence or recognition. So we'll work, we'll do the nine to five, we'll do all this, but really we're trying to serve the idol of power in our life. Or how about control? So we work to keep control. This is a longing to have everything go according to my plan. <laughs> Are y'all like me? Man, I have announced some great plans to God. One of those, y'all know me. I mean, 10 years ago when we started Vintage, I was thinking about Pittsburgh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I wasn't. This was not on my five-step life plan. I told you. Praise God, it's still hot up there. I don't know what to do when winter hits. We're receiving donations as we speak for some coats. But control, it's a longing to have everything according to my plan. How about number three, comfort? This is a longing for pleasure. So the only reason why you would work is so that you could have some fun. I work to play. Or how about this, approval? Um, this is a pursuit of uh, I've got to work because only if I work am I justified. Not that God justifies me, but I've got to have a significant title. So you're one of those guys that walks up and I'm such and such. You see my... Business card. I just want you to know I'm significant. I finally reached this title. Because of the fall, our work is cursed. And man rebelled against God and sin consumed mankind. And in this total depravity that we read about in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, this sin has made our work hard. Power, control, comfort, approval are difficult and honestly impossible to attain. Are, are y'all with me like, is there ever a time where you've worked enough? Even those who've climbed the ladder of the pinnacle of success in their profession, they all arrive there and say, what's next? I mean, Pastor Dustin and I, Sean, we all have doctrines. I fully thought when I walked... Across that stage, a kind of glory was going to fall on me. It's going to start to like float. It's going to have this glow, and I'd be so smart. It didn't happen. And I still find myself in training, still find myself saying dumb things. Even though I'm Dr. Rob Wilton, there's always what's next. Because work is cursed on this side of heaven. The goalposts goal keep moving and satisfaction proves elusive. That's what's found in the gospel at work. So what should we do about the idolatry of work? Let's look at a text together. 1 John. 1 John 
5, verse 19 through 21, says this. We know that we are from God. And check this. And the whole world, this world is not our home. The whole world, what? Come on, let me hear you. Lies in the power of the evil one. Man, if you would just have this, Shark Tank be killing me, right? Because it seems so easy. Some dude's making bank because he learned how to light up the inside of a toilet. <laughs> Why couldn't I have thought of that? You know, I've been using the bathroom my whole life missing that toilet. I just should have thought about the light in the toilet. So if I would just have that, have enough money, man, I'd arrive. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, I love this term. I know you're a CEO and you're important and you have an office on the corner that overlooks a levee. It's like when we were trying to sell our house in New Orleans. Some dude complained about the view. It's like, where do you think you're living, bro? There ain't no mountains here. It's called levees. They barely work. You ain't getting a view. Enjoy your neighbor. So, so we see this. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> little children. Okay, little children. I, I love, I know you're important in stuff, but he talks to us as children. That's a good reminder for some of us CEOs. What's a reminder to us? Keep yourselves from idols. Thomas Chalmers says this, the best way to overcome the world is not with morality or self-discipline. Some of you are going to take this because you're doers. You're like, okay, Pastor Rob said no more idols, so I'm going to work harder. No, that's not the answer. Christians overcome the world by seeing the beauty and excellence of Christ. They overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world, and that's Christ. So Geiger, Eric Geiger, goes on to share the following about how to counter the idols of power, control, comfort, and approval. Let's go through them real quick. They're on the screen. Number one, submit your power. If we have a power idol, submit your power to his greater power. Ephesians 5.18 says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Number two, Surrender your control to his ultimate control. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 14 says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that the people fear before him. Surrender your control He's in control. Number three, remember that your comfort is never greater than his comfort. 
It's never greater. Y'all know this peace that passes understanding? I'm a hugger. Y'all know that. Some of y'all who aren't huggers, I can see you brace as soon as I start walking towards you. Oh, Emily Neasley, that's out there. She ain't a hugger. And every time I go, I give her a big hug. She's like, As comforting as my hugs might be, they're not greater than his comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Number four, rejoice in his gracious approval. Rejoice in his gracious approval. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Thank you, Jesus. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So work can be an idol. And listen to me, everybody. This is not God's plan. For your work to be an idol, this is not God's plan. Remember that because of the fall, our work is cursed. And ultimately, we will never do enough work to receive ultimate fulfillment. Only that would be found in Christ. So today, for those of you who have turned your work into an idol... Surrender. See that he is far greater than anything you can attain. Anything that you can receive. I get to hang out with some of our New Orleans Saints friends who have Super Bowl rings. And they'll tell you that even that pursuit that begins today, which we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Who that? Say they going to beat them Saints. I've been in five fights in Pittsburgh. <laughs> They're going to win the suit, but they will tell you, even those who have obtained the rings, it does not satisfy more than Jesus. I pray you come up with a better idea than making your toilet glow. And that you make billions and tithe here. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> See me, Dawson? We're naming and claiming this right now. In the, in the name of Jesus. Y'all know I'm Baptocostal. I'm serious about this right now. In the name of Jesus, give these anointed brothers and sisters a better idea than glowing toilets. May they be on Shark Tank in the name of Jesus. But even if you become wealthy, it's not better than Jesus. All right, number two. You gave me two. That's your fault. Number two, let's talk about idleness. So idolatry, um, this work is not your home. Idleness, this work is not our own. Because some of us are like, oh, well, work doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep living in my basement with mama. I can just be lazy. 
I'll meet you for breakfast at 4 p.m. That, that's what we're going to do here. And I'm, I'm going to let you know, when we unpack what the Bible teaches about work, it doesn't give us an excuse for idleness. If idolatry happens when we over-identify ourselves with work, idleness happens when we under-identify ourselves. So to put it another way, if we care too much with idolatry, we care too little with idleness. The, the fall is a story of human beings wanting to do their own thing faster. That's what the story of the fall is. Instead of trusting God's plan, no, I got a better way. Let's eat of that fruit. And so the fall talks about a rejection of purpose. Once again, that book, The Gospel at Work, shares this. Your work is a means to an end. This is when you know that there's perhaps idleness. It's a place to only serve yourself. Secondly, your work totally frustrates you. Idleness might be creeping in because you've actually lost the purpose of your work. Or number three, your work becomes divorced from your Christian discipleship. And so you've forgotten that we are living worship. Worship's just not when Chris and Mark are here leading us in our praise party. No, as I go to my nine to five, I'm getting my praise party on. And, and so when we look at these things, simply put, I like to explain in this way, idleness, no hands, no heart. No hands is a lack of productivity. It's an inactivity of our hands. No heart is a lack of motive. And this is the productivity of our heart. And so you might be guilty of idleness. Look at these. Number one, if you're lazy. You're lazy. Sean has had the privilege of trying to keep up with me for the last two months. I don't know what to do with lazy people. I'll just be honest. I'm not wired that way. That's not my issue. I have two extremes. I work hard. I play hard. Tried to take a break this summer. Took my wife away for two weeks. Um, I was not fun to be around. Because I don't like just sitting. Lazy. Are you lazy? Idleness might have come in. Um, number two, selfish. Are you selfish? Has everything that you're doing been now centered upon you? Number, number three, are you apathetic? I'll do this job now, but I don't really like it. Just get by. You've forgotten that God has blessed you with it. That maybe there's a season right now where it might not be where you envision yourself, but in this season right now, God's wanting to prepare you for the next season. And if you fail in this season, you might not get that next season. Apathy. Or lastly, unproductive. What was the last thing you actually did? And you did well with a heart of worship. This laziness, selfishness, apathy, lack of productivity is unacceptable also to God. And he has a purpose for your work that is found in a text that we all probably know. Colossians 3.23. You might want to look at this with me on the screen. Whatever you do. Now remember, I'm a doctor. 
Now, I've looked at this text with other doctors. When you go into the original language, whatever you do means whatever you do. Mm, that's good preaching, Rob. Thanks. You should be a professor at the seminary. Whatever you do, what you're doing right now. Those that are serving coffee right now, they came here early to get a, a pot of coffee ready for you. So that as you would come in today, you would have some good dark roast coffee. Moms that are holding babies. The commute to drop those kids off at school. The, the seasons where you have a job and where you don't. Your vacation. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Verse 24 knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all know I went through a little bit of a weird season last year. It started for me, guys, when I stood on this very stage and we opened up this property, the Lord showed me that I was done here. Y'all know it took me about a month and a half to even tell Annabeth. But I know when I stood on this stage, the Lord told me that my specific role of getting our church in this season at this time was finished. You know how hard that was? We moved 13 times in eight years. I wanted to enjoy this a little. And it still ticks me off every time I come back. But the Lord had spoken. And so I went through a whole season, and y'all know, we almost went to Orlando together, didn't we? And uh, things didn't quite work out. Church people be mean. And those suckers chewed me up, spit me out. And I came back, said to Dustin, help. And I didn't really know what was going on. There was a season where I got dark. Praise God, I still had my role with the... New Orleans Saints, so I, I found some things. But you know what the Lord was starting to do to me? The, the Lord started to work on my heart. And, and this season where there was maybe an in-between uncertainty, the Lord began to reveal in my heart that I had some real idle problems. The Lord began to reveal in my heart that I had some idleness problems. The, the idolatry um, that he was exposing to me is that I really was starting to walk around in my life only being justified by being the lead pastor of Vintage Church New Orleans. Not just that Jesus has justified me. And as I lost this, the Lord showed me that idolatry and I had to repent. The Lord also showed me my idleness Y'all know me, I don't really sit still. And I fully envision that one day, Vintage Church, and I still believe it, because God's now blessed us to roll together, that we're going to fill that Superdome for worship. 
And I just believe all my heart. So this hasn't necessarily been going at the, the pace that I've envisioned it to go. And, and, and because of that, frustration crept in. And because my focus was in the wrong way, I got lazy. Apathetic. Any of y'all gone through something difficult and just finally surrendered and given up? And so the Lord began to expose that. And as Jesus stripped me of everything in that season, he helped me to see that he is all that I need. And I'm now, look, getting to still be a part of things with you and in a whole new foreign country called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that my wife and I, honestly, I'm just telling you, it doesn't make sense. We're falling in love with that city. And that's not because it makes sense. They speak a different language. It's because the call of God has come into our life to fall in love with people that we haven't known in a place. And this is the work of God. But I don't think I would be in Pittsburgh with this amazing peace today if I hadn't gone through this season where Jesus needed to strip me of everything. And so even as great as Vintage Church Pittsburgh might become, it's not my hope. It doesn't own me. Because this work is not my home. This work is not my own. Everything I have is Jesus. And everything I need is Jesus. And so I close today by asking you a very simple question, which is the answer to your idolatry and your idleness. Will you give your life to Jesus? Look at Romans 3.23 on the screen. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so many of us stop right there. Something amazing in the text, it continues. If you notice right there, is there a period there or a comma? Come on, period or comma? Good, you're doctors too. There's a comma, which means what? Man, This is not finished. It's not over. We're done. We're sinners. Check out the comma in verse 24. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Will you give your life to Jesus? He desires that in your work, although this is hard, for you to worship Jesus. And so I close with one more passage, Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, something's amazing. Because for me, in in my idleness, you know what I forget about in my idleness? I get lazy because I forget about the mercies of God. You know, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Some of us in America, because we're so saturated by Jesus and church and all that stuff, we just get casual with grace. I want to stay amazed by grace. I, I want to I be thankful. Some of us who've turned work into an idol, and it's, and it's more about us than we, we've forgotten the mercies of God. 
None of us deserve any platform we stand on. It's because of the mercies of God. And that's what Romans 12 talks about. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the what? Mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And now check verse 2 as we close, because you're going to see it. This world is not our home. This life is not our own. Do not be conformed to this world. This world is not our home. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God. This life is not your own. You have a purpose and it's not yours to choose. This world is not your home. This life is not your own. And when you surrender to Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as the ultimate, you're going to tap into what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's my prayer for every single one of you today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And we are so thankful for your mercy. Lord, your kindness is leading us to repentance. So Lord, we repent before you, asking for you to save sinners, asking for you to encourage, asking for you to call, asking for you to use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.